0: Yo, I could swallow the sea. I could hold my breath and count to a zillion. I can fly. I can stretch and stretch for a million billion miles till I'm the highest man in the world. Yeah, well, I could become a giant robot with magic death raise that's nothing man i can't be burnt like i could eat flame and stick my head in an oven and close the door and turn invisible and cap- hey will you kids keep that down in there your mother's got a splitting head and knock off that boasting if the same old senseless posturing has got you ready to junk your terrarium and start raising sea monkeys hold the bus You've got the bragging rights of the best mix of freeform music and public affairs right here on WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor. 88.3, radio free, no lying. I can speak 12 languages and turn into Plastic Man. Well, I could talk to animals and turn into Stretch Armstrong and The Flash. I've seen Star Wars and Planet of the Apes 8 trillion times. Yeah, well i seen Tatum O'Neal, naked. <laughs> yeah, well I could eat 900 boxes of Count Chocula, and my uncle used to host Rapper Room, and he knows Count Chocula, Godzilla, and Bruce Lee personally. I got an iron neck. Hey, I thought I told you sir, to keep it down in there. If I hear one more word, you're getting head cheese for dinner, and I mean it. I can juggle machetes. Man, I ate the brown acid at Woodstock. You
1: liar. Indeed, you liar. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And, uh, the Michigan elections are over. Uh, kind of interesting, Um uh, sort of called it last week, I guess. <laughs> Looked like Schneider had momentum. I think the money was a big factor, but I think that uh, all citizens of Michigan should rejoice in basically the outcome. Um, the media is going to dub this as a, what is it, a tough nerd against uh, angry, the angriest mayor in America. <laughs> uh, so Verge is going to, spew the populist rhetoric against banks, Wall Street bailouts, and uh, in favor of working class people. And Rick Schneider uh, seems to have a more moderate tone. Uh, He was the only Republican, which I uh, noted last week. I thought the Republican uh, gubernatorial election was more interesting in terms of the uh, impact nationally. I wanted to give a brain damage award out to the uh, American media that completely reported virtually nothing about the Michigan elections. Um, The initial uh, candidate of the teabag party got about 10% of the Republican vote. So he was refudiated to uh, quote Sarah Palin. (laughs) I invented the word.
2: Well, the teabag contingent of uh, northeastern Michigan will be disappointed.
1: And, of course, Pete Hoekstra, um, ranking... Re- uh, Republican on the House Intelligence Committee, formerly the chairman. I mean, this is a sort of a bigwig in the National Congress. Um, he made two big blunders. He tried to exploit the uh, the Christmas uh, alleged terrorist attack. The underwear bomber. The underwear bomber, who was uh, manhandled by uh, an alert citizen from Michigan. I uh, tried to exploit that for political reasons, and I think that was a big blunder because uh, there weren't many facts that supported him. so he jumped on the uh, the terrorism bandwagon, and then at the last second, he joined the congressional tea bag caucus in the House. Uh, and that looked blatantly political and way too late. and of course, the right to life had supported Attorney General Mike Cox, mm. so the uh, Republican uh, factionalism is what doomed them and when a man spends 6 million dollars on a on a primary yeah. he should win so uh, congratulations to the tough nerd um but I think uh the news is overall for Michigan is pretty good um basically we have a real choice uh and it'll be fascinating to see what contingency of the far uh, right within the Michigan Republican Party stays home in uh, in the fall. And uh, I guess my sort of vague prediction here, or I'll go out on a bit of a limb, I, it, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Hoekstra is named as the lieutenant gubernatorial candidate. Because oh. one of the odd things about Michigan is uh, sort of like a presidential election. You get to name your own candidate, and then the convention quote-unquote, ratifies it at some point. So uh, that's a possibility. I don't think there's bad blood between Hoekstra and Snyder. But it sounded like in Snyder's uh, sort of uh, parting uh, press conference in trying to analyze uh, what happened, he was very critical of the right to life because they had gotten behind Mike Cox early and it just didn't work out for them. So uh, very interesting internal factionalism within the michigan republican party
2: which is probably pretty emblematic of what the party faces state to state nationwide yeah um and uh, you know i'll echo your sentiments that it is surprising that the state gubernatorial campaign wasn't of greater interest to the national media since for a number of reasons michigan's economy Michigan's political situation are kind of a little bit ahead of the curve of of what the nation as a whole is experiencing.
1: Yeah, and and also I think because of the role of both the right to life and the teabag uh, contingency, uh, this had particular relevance to uh, some foreshadowing of what may happen in the national uh, uh, senatorial elections, for instance. It's interesting how Rand Paul in Kentucky... And I believe uh, the woman's name is Angle. I think it's Sharon Angle in Nevada, uh, who are teabag winners in Republican primaries that uh, have started to plummet in the polls. So um, keep an eye on that. Well, the polls in general are... uh, And, of course, the other (laughs) disappointment is that we have this election in a kind of an awkward time of the year, and turnout is light. And I think that... It is legitimate to analyze uh, the crossover vote. I think it's quite clear that, that independents, uh, so, so to speak, uh, did uh, cross over, so to speak, to vote for Rick Snyder. And it's interesting that in early polls, he's uh, outpolling um, Verge uh 3-1 uh, to one amongst independents, which uh, could be the key to the election here in Michigan.
2: And as far as whether or not the Republicans are going to face a uh, serious uh, second defeat or rebound as a party reborn and reappreciated, depends on almost entirely which poll you're looking at. Yeah, because uh, I'm reading reports here that uh, the Quinnipiac poll in late July uh, found that 53% of Americans blame Bush for the current condition of the U.S. economy, against just 25% who blame. Obama, and of course, uh, other pollsters find that Republicans are expected to make big gains. And uh, there so, was some speculation as to whether Bush uh, W, that is, uh, has delayed publishing his memoirs to avoid, you know, reinstalling himself as topic number one on the look at that big idiot over there list mm-hmm. as uh, the campaign season heats up. Publishers say no, this was our decision. Uh, it'll sell better towards Christmas. So after November. Oh, what a Christmas present. (laughs) What a stocking stuffer indeed it will be. Decision Points. It already has a uh, working title um, in which uh, W will elaborate on 10 key decisions that the self-dubbed decider took in office. Pretzel or no pretzel. I'll uh, be anxious to see whether or not that decision makes the list, but... I mean, given the guy's track record as a chief executive, not only of the country, but of uh, corporations and baseball teams, and uh, looking at his student record, I wonder if the book's publication wasn't pushed back, oh, maybe because he's not done writing it.
1: Well, that's possible. (laughs) To uh, the extent that he could be said to actually write this. I think that your first theory is probably uh, more accurate because there is an element uh, of this upcoming midterm election that is uh, both, to some extent, a a referendum on Obama, but to another extent, it's also a referendum on Bush and this new bifurcation within the Republican Party. Um, It's quite, you know, it's interesting. I I didn't bring this in, but David Stockman, a couple of weeks ago in the Sunday edition of um, uh, the editorial section of The New York Times, had one of the most damaging critiques of the Republican Party, dating back to Nixon even. Hmm. Uh, He was attacking not only uh, printing of money, so-called monetarism, and Milton Friedman, but he was attacking the Reagan tax cuts and the fact that the tax cut mania, which we continue to hear almost daily, uh, no matter what state uh, you live in, uh, coming from the Republican Party, that he called this a... um, sort of a departure from the Keynesian stimulus aspect of a tax cut to a religion that uh, had become uh, ideological that was damaging the country. And I'll have to bring that that uh, column in because it, uh, I think, was one of the, the best things ever written. And, of course, David Stockman uh, is formerly from Michigan. He was a congressman from Michigan, a rising star in the Republican Party that Reagan had— uh, Plucked out of Congress to become his budget director. And you may recall the infamous woodshed (laughs) event uh, where he was taken to the woodshed. Uh, The uh, implication being that he was given a whooping by somebody because of his um, Atlantic monthly piece that basically... Exposed Reaganomics for the fraud that it is, and this—in other that, words,
2: he was a true fiscal conservative.
1: That's what's interesting about him, and he's talking about the incredibly damaging uh, fiscal uh, policies that the uh, U.S. government has engaged in, mainly under the Republicans, as he keeps pointing out, that have uh, really handicapped uh, our our future. Uh, as a as a world leader, now our military uh, will have no problems. Uh, it was interesting that uh, Bob Gates today uh, announced um, the closing of a big uh, joint strategic uh, military command and f- big budget cuts in the in the uh, Pentagon budget, uh, particularly to outside contractors, which I think is actually a good development. He may be trying to. Uh, steal the thunder from Ron Paul and Bar- Barney Frank, who just about a month ago uh, have advocated an enormous scale back of the uh, military-industrial complex and its sort of tentacle reaches around the globe and, and how much this is costing uh, American taxpayers and the profound unwillingness of the uh, uh, Congress to address these uh these rising uh, obligations uh, in the de- in the realm of defense. Uh, when you read that the uh, American uh, Navy, for instance, has 13 times uh, the rest of the world's fleet combined uh, in its capacity, there's an element of overkill, hill, overkill here that needs to be addressed. And uh, if we're going to address these issues, uh, structural problems with the American economy, we have to begin to look at the Pentagon as the number one uh, pork pr- project uh, in, in, in America. Well, and when
2: Republicans want to make uh, Bush-era uh, tax cuts permanent... Yeah, which is a current debate. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, this is a serious problem because you cannot continue to spend on that scale. And of course, Republicans always want to talk about, oh, let's cut spending. But the kind of spending that they're talking about are the things that are the very building blocks of culture and society itself, namely schools, roads, and uh, infrastructure. Yeah, investment. Uh, right, investment in the facilities of the communities that we all live in. Um, you've got to, in fact, they're talking about lowering corporate taxes, Yeah, expanding uh, the tax cuts to
1: corporations, uh who are actually at the moment flush with cash. Indeed. One of the structural problems of the American economy at the moment is corporations are piling up cash and not hiring people. Yep. That's the bottom line. Now, their argument would be, well, we're, we're being cautious because we don't know whether there will be a quote-unquote double dip or not. But uh, investment is, is is one of the key aspects and one of the key failings of the last 40 years uh, with the uh, Republican uh uh, Waldronstang so to speak um they've been wrong about virtually everything i'm always reminded of uh, ronald reagan's infamous uh, comment about vietnam uh, in 1965 when he uh, famously said that we'll have it paved over two times over and be home by christmas um, we heard these uh, predictions also from uh, the adherence of the project for the new american century regarding our invasion of iraq yeah. uh, well we're still in iraq And to Obama's credit, (laughs) while he's uh, blundered in some areas, he at least seems to be committed to uh, getting the vast majority of the combat troops out of Iraq by the end of the month. That is a tangible accomplishment. And if you do withdraw 90,000 troops, you know, I I read a Pentagon uh, report once that it would take us a year and a half to withdraw from Iraq just because we have so much stuff over there. (laughs) You know, we have the... uh, the various uh, military bases that uh, have uh, recreated—not uh, Tombstone, Arizona, but <laughs> the Flagstaff Shopping Center. Yes, <laughs> the Strip, the Strip, the the Detroit Strip, and it's it's always uh, bizarre to me when you drive around suburban Detroit how you can drive on a surface road for ten miles and see the same thing every mm. two miles. Almost, it's it's staggering the the chain stores. And the, and the multinational corporations as they have so many outlets and you don't have to drive far to get to that uh, That's right. taco hell. Well, again, those are all, you know, emblems of
2: the bizarre and uh, completely wrong minded expansion and development that the economy sort of thrashed about with in the 80s.
1: exactly. In other words, a lot of the growth was simply not productive for America's future, and there was a report out today that uh, is further confirmation of the complete misplaced priorities of the leadership of the Republican Party that is overly focused on uh, really minor growth uh, issues and um, that that America now ranks 12th uh, in... uh, percentage of college graduates uh, behind countries like Russia. (laughs) Um, It's those those are the facts. And I think another fact that we can state uh, without equivocation is that BP is now officially bung blog. (laughs) Well, actually, as uh, my family enjoyed a short uh,
2: trip up north last week. Lo and behold, there was a small oil spill in Duncan Bay, Mm -hmm. just outside of Sheboygan. Yeah. And I don't know uh, to what extent that made uh, the papers, (coughs) but uh, two unlicensed tugs just sort of illegally parked. One sank, leaking all of its fuel, and of course hazard teams were brought in and so forth. But uh, coming on the heels of the Kalamazoo uh, oil spill, and uh, obviously it's been a summer of uh, disasters... Regarding oil spill, there's been one in China and the Red Sea, and of course the ongoing uh, nightmare cataclysm that uh, has been the bung plug situation in the Gulf.
1: Yeah, and it's it's interesting to just ironically note that the the day a couple of weeks ago, when the New York Times uh, had 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 is their headline story on the surface oil spill in Gulf is vanishing fast. Well, the the combination of dispersants. Tides, winds, a, a sort of a s- minor, a storm that went through the area, whipping up the waves. But uh, you can see how people who just
2: read headlines can can take comfort yeah, from the illusion <laughs> that those uh, that
1: string of words creates. And of course, the heat itself. I mean, the the sure. oil does break down, and I think that it's significant and and very essential. Uh, um, that we uh, study very closely the uh, consequences of this uh, spill on uh, all sorts of uh, uh, just, you know, the the whole ecosystem of the area. How does it affect uh, the larvae? Uh, How does it affect shrimp? How does it affect oysters, Uh, small mammals, big mammals, um, oil rigs themselves? Um, It's interesting that uh, on the very day that they report and they have some photographic evidence showing how it's dispersed and, of course, how it's hit the uh, the wetlands of Louisiana. And uh, I, I, gu- I guess one of the most affected spots is actually in Alabama. But uh, f- Florida kind of dodged a bullet here. They have a little bit of uh, damage from this uh, direct oil uh, coastal stuff, but not. N- it could have been worse. But it's interesting that on that very day... Um, this is, this is basically the, the day that the uh, Kalamazoo spill, or the Marshall spill, happened, I guess is more accurate. Um, it's just reported by Campbell Robertson. A wellhead in southeast Louisiana was spewing a mist of oil and gas up 100 feet into the air after being hit by a tugboat early Tuesday morning. It is uh, at least the third unrelated oil leak in the area since the Deep Horizon spill began 99 days earlier. Another oil spill, <clears throat> spewing in the air a fine mist.
2: And if you stand just right, you can see a sort of a rainbow shimmering.
1: Yeah, and of course, you know, th- this is going to come down to parts per billion, you know, one, uh, I don't know what the total surface area of uh, H2O of uh, America is, but uh, the first time I was ever actually in the sort of Mississippi Delta region of uh, the Gulf Coast, because I'd been to the Florida side once before uh, much earlier in my life, I was coming back from the New Orleans Blues and Jazz Fest. And uh, the fellow that I was traveling with, we decided it was a pretty hot day. We decided we'd go to the beach in Mississippi, sort of near Gulfport. Nobody's at the beach. It's, I mean, it's a pretty hot day, and I'm thinking in Michigan, man, this They'd is be This is a day to be swimming. The water was fine, but I only went in waiting because I could see the frothy, bubbly mixture, <laughs> and thought to myself, "This doesn't look anything like Lake Michigan. This doesn't look anything even like uh, the Pinckney Recreation uh, Water that uh, that you know we can swim in here nearby here in Ann Arbor." This looks like something far worse. I think I'm only going <laughs> in up to, River. up to my knees here. Um, and, of course, there's oil all over that gulf that's spewing about. and Well, that entire industry... Bubbling forth. ...leaks, yeah. oozes, seeps, spills.
2: It's messy and nasty by nature. And just in the normal course of affairs, even when things are operating smoothly and, quote-unquote, efficiently, there's always spillage and always waste. And uh, I guess people are going to have to stop complaining about the visual nuisance that uh, wind farms might present because, uh, you know, they're a heck of a lot easier to ignore than uh, water that can't be used.
1: Yeah, and there has to be a commitment. You know, I heard last night on the BBC that the Chinese government is committing $75 billion this year to alternative energy and uh, the wry observation by the uh, news reporter was that this is three times uh, the entire energy budget of the United States. And, of course, what does most of the Department of Energy spend its money on? Cleaning up nuclear dumps right. from the Cold War era. I mean, there is just not any sense of urgency, which is remarkable. Well, I this... mean, lo- look at Moscow. Yeah. It's, it's It's not fire on the mountain. It's fire in Moscow. It's steps. It's crazy. You
2: know, China is an economy that's that's growing. It's got a lot of uh, demographic pressures that the United States does not have. And so there's an urgency there that seems to be lacking here uh, that uh, this needs to be invested in now because it's too late down the line uh, to make those investments. Um, It's rather embarrassing to be... uh, Outspent threefold by China in uh, energy futures.
1: Yeah, and in an interesting uh, article in the most recent uh, London Review of Books regarding the situation in the Gulf um, by, uh, let's see, oh, it's, uh, <laughs> the author's on the back page here, uh, Rebecca Solnit. She notes that, um, <clears throat> she said, uh, a news story a week later mentioned that 27,000 old oil wells in the Gulf are out there in the territory the map shows, some probably leaking, but no one is monitoring them. She then notes, about a football field of coastline erodes every 45 minutes. And a third map of Darrell, who's a, a local environmentalist, Daryl uh, Malik Wiley, um, notes that uh, Daryl's map showed that uh, about as much land has been lost in the past several decades since the petroleum industry came to the Gulf, an area about the size of Delaware, or 2,500 square miles. She then goes on to note that, of course, the uh, dead zone down there from the uh, corn economy of the Midwest is... 8500 square miles or about th- you know more than 3 times the size of Delaware. That's what's going on in the Gulf. This is already an ecosystem catastrophe going on and as I and you your reference there to the 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 corn
2: economy yeah. is of course the uh synthetic petrochemical fertilizers yes. that are
1: sprayed en masse on these crops. And it all just flows down the rivers. Down the river, and and 80% of the water in the continental United States ends up in the Mississippi uh, River uh, one way or another. Um, I don't know if Mark Twain, Huck Finn, and Jim (laughs) would recognize the Mississippi River uh, due to uh, the Army Corps of Engineers and some of the uh, weird uh, things that have been going on there over the past 100 years, but... Yes, we are corn. That's a very famous article in the New York Review of Books from a couple of years ago, which noted that in the average Walmart, there are 50,000 products that contain corn (laughs) or corn byproducts.
2: Although, interestingly, just noting on a local retail level, a corn-related tangent here, the increasing popularity of... uh, Coca Cola bottled in Mexico. Oh, yeah. You can get it in glass bottles, first of all, which anybody old enough to remember, that's the way to drink uh, a Coca Cola. Um, but it's made with cane sugar. And so we find ourselves in the uh, somewhat amusingly ironic situation of having to, I mean, the old Joe, oh, Mexico, you know, made in Mexico. That's right. Faulty goods. Well, now that's the quality stuff because if you want a Coca Cola that's not tainted with corn syrup, the real thing. The real thing is in <laughs> fact a Mexican import. So a Mexican, and import. they're you know jokingly referred to as Mexicos around f- around town.
1: Yes, and think of all of the petroleum used to to drink Coca Cola made in Mexico for somebody in Michigan. Right. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's crazy. this sort of weird asymmetry involving our awareness of. What's really going on in the world uh, with some of these interrelated issues that uh, never ceases to amaze me? And I once again am going to assert that America needs to decide if it wants, regarding the Gulf, whether it wants oil or whether it wants fish. But yo ho, olive oil. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not good for you. No. What is that thing that we saw on uh, YouTube? oh the oysters clip. yeah Luis
2: Fusquez uh, yeah. told us to look up this thing uh, Oy- oysters love oil oysters love oil yeah we should maybe we play that next week on the show it's a clip <laughs> do a Google search on YouTube or, or you'll find the YouTube video of this uh, promotional film made in the early 60s by I think standard or Gulf oil I can't remember which one uh, about how it's okay we've tested oil on these creatures and they love it they thrive so <laughs> S-O. <laughs> right. <laughs> put a tiger in your tank, put an oyster in your back pocket for, for the road.
1: Yeah, remarkable stuff. But uh... well,
2: We've been lied to before by those people. Um, I just wanted to mention here in the uh, dwindling minutes of the program, of course, uh, two weeks ago we talked about the WikiLeak, and you had your oh, yeah. uh, amusing <laughs> uh, little... Homage to... Limerick uh, there, yeah, Dan Shore to, and uh, Lewis Carroll. Lewis Carroll. <laughs> um, but, of course, uh, now the details are out there, and uh, they can be examined in greater scrutiny. Um, we'll probably have to talk later about uh, Secret Unit Task Force 373, a uh, rather disturbing, yet not too surprising uh, secret CIA-run uh, mercenary group who are involved in capture-kill operations. But some interesting developments regarding Iranian assistance of the Taliban in Afghanistan. and Of course, that's always been uh, theorized. But uh, what, the name that really stood out from this article by Rula Khalaf, writing in the Financial Times, is this one. Uh, she writes, Documents point in particular to Iranian support for Gulbuddin Hekmatyar, a notorious insurgent leader and former prime minister of Afghanistan who has allied with the Taliban and, and once received refuge in Iran. Well, for those with long memories, yeah. Golbadin Hekmatyar, what a guy.
1: Uh, he he was, was our guy. He was
2: our guy back in the days of the Mujahideen and Begnu Brzezinski's brilliant plan. This is a guy who as a college student threw acid in a woman's face because she was unveiled. And, uh, well, that was just the kind of guy the CIA were looking for. Uh, back in the Reagan years,
1: yeah, and here he and, is again, and this is the infamous blowback problem that America's had in the region just repeatedly uh we're seeing it played out over and over. I've always thought that the theory that Iran is supporting the Taliban is just it, i mean it's just sort of a bizarre theory. it just there may be some documents somewhere in a cave that Whitaker Chambers is probably. <laughs> storing in a pumpkin, if not a uh, bin of opium, <laughs> somewhere only to uh, to have Tricky Dick show up uh, <laughs> sometime in the future to expose the spy ring. But uh, let's face it, the, uh, the idea that the Taliban and the um, Iranian government at this point are allied is kind of silly. One is a radical Shiite ideology, Iran, and one is a radical... Sunni ideology. They are not allied. Their interests in ejecting America from the region may indeed be allied. There may be some mischief that Iran is uh, is undertaking in certain parts of Afghanistan, but Iran seems like they have their own problems uh, now with uh, radical uh, suicide bombers of the Sunni persuasion. There have been a number of attacks in the Baluchistan area over the past mm-hmm. uh, um, months, and it you know, while one part of the military-industrial complex here in the United States uh, seems to be jumping up and down, uh, having temper tantrums every day about Iran, the, the the real thing is we should be cooperating with Iran uh, on the Taliban issue, if that's what it is. And, of course, the, the murkiness about Pakistan um, is uh, scary. Well,
2: and this raises questions as to whether this, you know, emphasis on Iran's alleged support for the Taliban is really just smokescreen to obscure the fact that, well, Pakistan's really the, the confusing and mysterious entity here. Yeah,
1: that we can't figure out. And of course, those problems existed in the 1980s when we were funneling.